Hey, thank you for joining us for another edition of VCs Off The Record. Today joining me is Jessica O. Matthews, a amazing walk star, an amazing person, and I'm so delighted that she's on with us to talk about her journey in building her fempire, which is called Uncharted Power. Uh, thanks for having me, Gala. Absolutely. I, I always enjoy talking to you. So this is a treat for me as it is for our listeners. Hey, let's start out with a little bit about you and Uncharted Power. Sure. A um, little bit about me. Um, I'm a black woman, so I just lead with that, right? That's important. Uh, I live in Harlem. I'm a dual citizen of Nigeria and the United States. And I got into power because my family really needed it and still needs it in Nigeria. And I stayed in it because I realized that problems that seem like they're just kind of happening in some parts of the world, uh, you know, are often much more dynamic and complicated. And when it comes to access to reliable, sustainable power infrastructure, especially in under-resourced communities around the world, you know, the communities around New York City to communities in Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, there are some very specific systemic issues that I have become obsessed with uh, dismantling. That's amazing. Um, tell us what's not in your bio. What's not in my bio. Um, I love to cook. I, I cook a lot. That's a really big thing to me. I'm the second of four kids. So my, I have my older sister, and my two younger brothers, and in the Nigerian family, you're not the first child or the firstborn son or the youngest, you like don't really have a role. So I kind of had to come up with my own thing. I really love to lip sing. I'm a really bad singer. Um, and so I really enjoy lip singing. And like in my, the privacy of my own home, I like go like full drag queen out. Like I, will, I, like I get into it. And so that, that's probably another thing as well that I do other than running Uncharted Power, which is an amazing, amazing, awesome company that uh, I've dedicated a third of my life to. And so that's most of my life otherwise. I love it. I can't sing work the lick, but I love singing. So I'm happy to yeah, be your backup anytime you want. <laughs> awesome. Uh, count me in. I love it. So, hey, how are things in this COVID new normal era for you and the business and your team? What's different? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's wild, right? So let me, I'll take a couple steps back and make sure it's, it's clear kind of how we started because we're a mission organized, you know, mission-based organization. Um, but the thing about 2020 is that it really shows, I think, individuals and hopefully organizations that you need to be very clear about your about and what you're going to get up for because when the world is crazy, that's all you have to hold on to. Um, so on Uncharted Power, our mission is to bring sustainable power infrastructure to under-resourced communities. We've been around almost a decade, and while our mission, you know, really has never changed, the, the, the funny thing for us is that kind of, I think, our understanding of the exact problem, right, like, to, that, that's been keeping people from getting that under-resourced, uh, people from uh, in under-resourced communities from getting that critical infrastructure they need, now, our understanding of that has evolved, right? So right now, you know, we, we're really focused on building power grid infrastructure. So when you think about the cables above head, how do you do that in a sustainable way so that under-resourced communities can have access to reliable power? Uh, but that wasn't obviously how we always started. First, we thought the issue was an inspiration issue. So we were making energy generating play products. 
Then we thought it was an issue around decentralized like energy and we were doing projects and work to show people how you could create energy generating products out of anything, not just play. We started to work in infrastructure um, actually about three years ago and realized that the big issue wasn't just, you know, making an energy from infrastructure. It was really about how we build these networks of power, right? And that's the, the big push. And when we looked into it and started talking to utility execs, we realized that at the end of the day, the core problem is that most communities cannot afford to sustain the infrastructure they have. That like these grid cables and everything, if they even have them, are like 100 years old, um, let alone build them for the world that we need. Now, this has always been a really important issue. But the thing about 2020 is that you have important issues that now have become urgent issues because what was a crack of valley with the pressure of 2020. Take COVID, for example. People have talked about the digital divide for a while. And the reality is the digital divide is the underlying reality there is if you don't have the necessary infrastructure to, you know, for, for the, in the community, you kill the connectivity infrastructure on top of that. With COVID and people having to retreat back to their homes, now you're seeing situations where students actually can't keep going to school. And this is domestic and international. Well, you're now finding that even a higher education level, they're telling students, you're going to have to go back home if you can't actually be in school on campus. <clears throat> and they're not wondering if home has power or internet. And so I think for us, we as a team have always known that what we're doing is important. We've always been committed to it, but the urgency now is there. What does, what does infrastructure need to be in this post-COVID world? Who's going to get the shit end of the stick if we don't figure this out, right? How do we think about this also from the perspective of systemic racism? Uh, and so how have things been going? You know, we had to readjust a lot of stuff um, going into the year, but in a weird way, we have made such incredible progress on what we're building and how to get it to market and in bringing amazing people who are looking to align their day jobs and their mission as well to the table. And so I'm just really blessed, honestly, to lead an amazing team of diverse individuals who have been, who are willing to kind of give their time to a mission that has always been important, but now is urgent. And so we're taking advantage of that, that reason to get up. And uh, yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's also kind of exciting. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I should tell our listeners that um, the Walkstar Fund is actually an investor in your company. Yes. And yes. when COVID hit, we called all, not only our portfolio companies and our uh, companies we've invested in, we called a lot of the entrepreneurs in our network. And I got to say that calling you and talking to the team you guys were so clear in the resiliency and grit and the just get up and keep going and that this was just a moment in time, but that you had a solution that was going to help solve what you said was a problem, but now that has been exacerbated in its urgency. Um, so I can, I'm a witness to the uh, resilience of you and your team during this time. Well, I mean, but that's also the reason why, you know, I think, when we talk about, I know you're dedicated to this, investing in founders of color, investing in you know, women of color. If, th if this was the first time in your life when things didn't go the way you expected, you, like, right, you're fucked, right? You're, but at the end of the day, you know, it's always been hard 
to, and you know this directly, to be black and do something that's unexpected, to be a black woman and do something that isn't expected, to do it in a space that's not entertainment. It's always felt, most of my life, I felt like I've been being a steel wall. So in a weird way, you know, the team also experiences that we're bringing to the table where what we're doing is not just about success, it's about representation of communities that we represent. And it's, it's like, yeah, this year is hard, but we've been training for hard shit. We are used to hard stuff. So it's at times like these when we don't freak out, we don't say, oh, well, let's just give up. We're like, all right, now you're going to see what happens when, you, when, when resilience meets opportunity, right? Now you're going to see what happens when, like, you've been shaped for that. And I think to the point of what you do, too, the reason why I think people need to look at this is Silicon Valley has failed us, right? You want to talk about some real stuff. It's been five months, and we just see an apps out how to have virtual parties or whatever, no, I don't see no innovation around PPE. I don't see anything regarding a vaccine or a point of service test. And it's like backing people who don't actually have real problems, my personal opinion. Um, and now when we need them to be true entrepreneurs, right, to problem solve without regard for resource, they fall short. And so that's why I love what you guys do at Walkstar as well. It's, it's mass diversity. It's about thinking about what this world is going to need when times aren't always as good. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think Silicon Valley has not only failed themselves and our communities, but they've failed the bigger community too, right? Like if I've been yeah. an investor and I've been following what Silicon Valley does, I'd be a little mad right now because they've been playing a lot of black impact porn, as I've been calling it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm working on a uh, op-ed around that. I'll put out in a medium sometime soon. Nice. I've been working workshopping this black impact porn. I'll have to run it by you when I, when I get ready. Um, hey, it is it is porn. Sorry, go ahead. You no, know, I was gonna say a lot of it comes out in the hey, come to my party and bring five of your black girlfriends. Yeah, it's a it's a dehumanization, right? Because at the end of the day, you can have a fetish. You can say, let's, let's do this, right? You said this is off the record. Let's do it. We're all adults here. You can have a fetish. Oh, I just think X is just so beautiful. I'm just so into it. I'm just so attracted. But if you would never marry that person, if you would never bring that person home to your family, what, what's the problem? How have you dehumanized that person? And I, it, is feel, it feels like, oh, well, look at all the, the Black people we have at the party in our community and look at all my Black friends. Um, and the, but, okay, but have you invested? Have you committed? Or, or even just when we go to through due diligence with you, did you ask us for more than you would ever ask our white peers? You, you can't fathom a world where just believing in our vision and our, and our perseverance would be enough. You have to see it all on paper. And so, yeah, no, listen, that, that'll be fun. Yeah, <laughs> listen, it is really real, right? Like you've seen, there's a lot of VC guys running around with, girlfriends and boyfriends of color, right? And thinking they're allies. And then when you say, let me see the portfolio, let me see who's a partner who has decision-making authority on investments, gets real quiet and start to hear crickets. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So, yes. So listen, I want to I wanna, uh, switch gears for a minute. Um, cool. And I want to take you back to uh, when you first started and ask you, mm -hmm. who was your first outside investor and why do you think they invested? 
Oof. Um, my first outside investor was a woman named Patricia Strafford who gave me $5,000. Um, and I actually, the first time I ever met her, uh, was like a couple of years ago. Cause it was through like some sort of online platform. And I didn't know she was a woman of color until later, uh, who I think was just very inspired by the story. I connected well, like in the space, you know, and like gotten a few smaller investments as well. Uh, like our like, first convertible notes, our biggest investor on that convertible note, right. Which was like an $800,000 note. And it was like a, like a $5 million cap. So this was like 2012 and you know, yeah, they, they've seen a lot of growth. The biggest investor on that note gave us $200,000. He uh, was an angel. He's the former vice president of NASCAR from South Carolina. And he said, he said, oh, I've done my research on you. I like what I see here. This is very interesting. And, you know, I remember thinking and, and still thinking, you know, as much as I am very much driven by the mission and by the idea of giving all the people who have believed in me and given me anything. Support can be from financial perspective or from a sweat equity perspective. Giving them the return that lets them know that backing a black girl is the, what is, it should be their default. But this guy in particular, it gets me excited because, um, you know, when you think about a Southern, you know, man, you know, like, you know, you NASCAR, all, all that NASCAR. stuff. Right. Right. Can you, can you imagine if, you know, in a couple of years, like he's just walking around and like, he's just like, listen, I, uh, you know, my $200,000 investment is now worth $50 million. And here's what I did. And then imagine from a pattern matching perspective, all of a sudden you're just going to have a bunch of people in the streets looking for black girls to invest in. And like, I, that's, that's what I, I want people to try to rethink the pattern. And so, I, you know, at the end of the day, why did they um, back us? Uh, probably all had different reasons, but I think they connected to the authentic narrative um, and perhaps saw something in, in me that I wasn't just going to quit, you know, that, that I was going to uh, keep pushing. Yeah. And listen, I don't know that gentleman, but I know why we invested and, for all of those reasons, but primarily to the economics and the business rationale was there, right? Like yeah. The economics of the investment were there front and center. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, I think too, like, you know, it's like about understanding that, understanding the problem, understanding the opportunity, but also giving the founder room to fully tease it out. Right, because it does take time to really fully realize and understand. I think that the opportunity, like you know, like for us, right? Like we, we realize that ultimately what we're doing here is a free platform play, right? Like at the end of the day, we built something that makes it easier to build sustainable power infrastructure, manage sustainable power infrastructure, but also finance sustainable power infrastructure. And so. If you're going into communities and you're saying, okay, yeah, it's a paper solution. You're putting this in the ground and you're like, okay, I get it. You're replacing power cables. Okay, power transmission. But what's the idea? We're coming in and saying, listen, everything, technology needs to make sense from a business case. So we make it easier to build it so it can be more affordable. Make it easier to manage this so it can be more affordable. But what we've essentially done in technology that basically makes us like an ethical Google for power grid infrastructure. And so we're in, in the same way Google, all of this critical digital infrastructure, like, you know, Google Hangouts, Gmail, Google Search, Chrome, they, they, they've given us all this infrastructure to unlock a, a, a digital world. They don't charge us because they're able to essentially monetize 
data and ad space on their platform. And, but people have never thought, well, yeah, what, could, what if you could do that with power infrastructure? And so with our technology, the Uncharted system, we're able to give communities critical power grid infrastructure by helping them monetize essentially the data that comes from our system in their community, right, which is huge. People don't realize how much you can get from the value of data and like what a hedge fund will pay for a data set, but then also monetize the co-location space on the platform, right, which means that we've created an integration platform for smart city technologies to actually serve under-resourced communities. And, you know, that's, that's huge. For a project we're working on right now, like we're projecting that we're gonna have a payback period of five years. Five years is unheard of when it's an under-resourced community. And so, yeah, the, the numbers have to make sense. The growth has to be there as well. And yeah, so thank you for, of course, for believing in us. Absolutely, I haven't stopped. Um, and it's funny. I find myself probably every other week talking about you guys. Yeah. I, I was thinking awesome. that before this, before this uh, podcast. And I was like, yeah, I think it's probably once a week. She comes up, they come up. That's um, so um, let's switch again. Cause you know, you become yes. a bit of a celebrity. You're the star entrepreneur. Oh, Does it no. get any easier? You are just, just, just breathe and embrace. You're a star. You're a rock star. Um, does it get any easier to raise capital? I think that I have an easier time than other black women um, for a couple things, right? Like, yeah, like I think obviously having the platform helps, but I also just had to do what I think is almost unfair to ask a lot of people to do. I had to go to Harvard twice. I had to be in the cover of Forbes twice. I'd be Harvard Scientist of the Year, Four Thirty Under Thirty, Inc. Thirty Under Cranes Forty Under Forty, uh, Fortune's Most uh, Promising Entrepreneur, Ford Foundation. I'd do all of this stuff so that I could what raise the average amount that a white guy raised for my Series A. Ten percent of you know the money that like you know my closest infrastructure competitor raised, and yet they had to close down their project, but we're still going. So. It, you know, yeah, I, I don't even, I don't think that we would be alive if we didn't have a platform that we have, if we didn't have the, like, you know, the, um, the light, you know, the, like, shown on us in some ways. It's not, it's, it's kind of like, why is this, it shouldn't be necessary, though. And it's also very unfair. There are a lot of brilliant women who look just like me, brilliant ideas. Um, and if they have to do what I did, it's going to accomplish what we have, what we need to accomplish. Right. Because it's like, I'm doing all this and I'm in a room with a dude who went to community college and just had a night. He's we raised the same amount. Like what, what if it's like, that's insane. Like what, what are we actually talking about? Like, okay. Like it makes sense. Oh, it, it, it's more than insane. Let's be honest here. Um, now tell yeah. me this though, cause with that fame and accomplishment, which, to your point is exhausting, it's tiring, we have to do it, right? That's that's 110% our mothers and fathers taught us. Um, how do you separate the looky-loos from the real check writers? Have you have have you got a system in place now? Do you have like an inner ear? Yeah, you know, um, so there's like three types of people who like come to us. There's the people who are excited and interested and engaged about what we're doing. And they're usually actually people of color, but either they're not accredited investors or, you know, they, they're just not familiar with the investment space, which is sad in and of itself because it, it, that's another way of unlocking wealth is investing. There's not enough 
um, to help you know the average person get get shares in companies. And if we're just talking about companies that are on the you know uh, stock exchange, then they're not going to have access to black and brown companies. So that's a disconnect. I'm waiting for someone to really build that innovation. Um, we we also get some of the people who are interested more from the perspective of like maybe more of like a corporate espionage, like some of the corporate strategic investment groups that like be engaging for like a year and a half and then go silent and then come back. And, and that's just more of like a, an annoyance, but it's also a little bit of a validation. Like, why are you even bothering? You wouldn't be bothering us and doing this weird stuff if we didn't have something. So we're, we take that as a validation point. And then you have the people who are really interested, you know, and they, they want and, and, um, and we just kind of go from there. Um, so it's, you know, I, I have a, an amazing, um, you know, colleague on the team, Nick Navarre, he's spoken to him quite a bit. You know, he is a world-class relationship manager. He, he's the person that kind of is the first shield because he is an extrovert. He loves talking to people and like, he'll do the kind of initial vetting. I am actually like through and through introverted introvert. So I can have this combo, but my preference is to have smaller groups, talk to people who I just know. I like to be in a building. I like to be in a corner solving a problem by myself. I don't like the chit chat. I don't like any of that shit. And I will be very quick to tell somebody to go fuck themselves if I'm not one. So that's why Nick manages that. And Nick will be like, okay. But Nick also knows that like after they've gone through, I will have to meet them and, and be like, is this vibe? Does this make sense? And if I don't think it makes sense, I'm gonna be like, no. Because life is too short to be to mess with people who it just doesn't make sense, right? And um yeah, like I, I think I, there's a woman's intuition. There's a black woman's intuition that I, that I just lean into. Once they've made it through, I will see if I feel like there can be trust there. And then usually we just work from there. Yeah, I love this because two things out of what you've just said is one, having someone else be part of the fundraise is really important, yeah. right? Like you may be better at the closing. You, you may have be to better know your skill set, right? Yeah, but maybe and you have having... to build a team that complements you. Exactly. So I think, and I hope everyone on the uh, podcast listening hears that. And then the second thing from what you said, I hope people heard, is that we as entrepreneurs, right, have choices on who comes on our cap table. And yeah. so part of what you're able to do is really discern, like, is this the, is this investor the right one for us? And the number of zeros don't always make it so. And so I think we also have to be willing to walk away from some dollars if they don't feel right. A hundred percent. One, this entrepreneurship ride is a long one. And the only thing that you can be certain of is that you are who you say you are. And you, you are someone you are, who you like. And, and so you, you got to align to your founders so of what you're going to you accept. Not all money's equal. And I know that's tough when you really need the money. Um, but I think you, it doesn't have to just be an emotional decision. Take it from a pragmatic perspective. Like if you think someone's shady and you take money from them and they're on your cap table, if that shadiness comes out, everything they touch is going to be an issue. Like I remember one person, they were just like, hey, this person really gets infrastructure. This person really gets, um, you know, like what you're doing. He'd be the right fit. I do a call with him and he proceeds to, to talk about masturbation, being a sexual, wishing he could see me in video because he's more of that kind of person, wanting to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting. And when I say I want to bring Nick, he's like, well, I'm not going to be the person, I'm not going to be trust, open and trusting if, I, if Nick is there. And I'm sitting here, and but now, however, this is the kind of person who can write 
a multi-million dollar check for the company and he gets our business and he's been successful in the space. But like, this is the first call. So now, and I'm sitting here, just, first you're just kind of laughing and giggling and whatever. I didn't know that Nick was listening in. And I'm sitting here, we get off the phone, I'm just like, we need this money. But also, um, I'm not sure you know, that I'm going to need, after we get this money, we'll be able to c- cover it. And we ended up passing. We ended up being like, now we're good. Because I was, at the end of the day, it, it did not feel right at all, obviously. Because yeah, no, like, that was basically such a harassment. It wasn't right. Let me validate. It was it, not right. It, it, it was, yeah, it, it was, was wrong. It was not right. Let's just pause. Uh, emotion, it's just like, mm, this is yes. this this should be an episode of I may destroy you. This exactly. And listen, there's not enough soap in the world to get that icky feeling to, off. So to get that icky exactly. Feeling. All right. So let's let's get out of the icky. Well, I just just to close out on that too. I think more broadly too, it was a reality of the, of the fact that if this person was on our cap table, once it, he clearly has done this before. So when is it going to come out that this is the kind of person he is? And so it's just about being, I think, strategic there too. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you That was the right call. All right. So let's get away yes. from Icky for a minute and let's turn to our general segment of the podcast. Um, what's a great resource that you could recommend for the entrepreneurs and the investors that are listening? Anything you read, uh, anything you listen to besides our podcast? Um, any groups they should think about? Are there one or two that you'd like to share that you found valuable? Sure. I mean, I, I definitely think that Forbes in general actually has really great content, you know, across the board um, and should be followed um, in what they're, what they're reading and what they're doing to drive, to actually highlight um, unorthodox business, you know, leaders. I, I, they really are committed to that and have been for quite some time. They were the first outlet to highlight me, not as just an inventor, but as a, as a CEO, and not just as a social entrepreneur, but as an energy CEO. So they, they, they did that back in 2015. I love it. One more. Um, you know, I think in terms of books, there are two that I've, uh, I, I always go back to. One is True North. Um, that, again, the idea is really, as a leader, you need to develop your own authentic leadership style and understand what gets you up in the morning, what drives you. And the other is a, a book by... Um, and uh, by, by Horowitz, by Ben Horowitz, uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, I think is a, a, a great book uh, to just where you're going. I love that. We'll put that um, up on the website for everyone in the resources section where we always put great information. So everyone be sure to go to oh. www.walkstar.com. All right. Last and final uh, is our pop culture round. No explanation. Just the first answer that comes to mind. All right. Who's your favorite Kardashian? Chloe. Love and hip hop, real housewives or basketball wives? Uh, love and hip hop. Law and order or CSI? Law and order. Michelle or Barack? Michelle. Serena or Venus? Serena. Beyonce or JLo? Oh. <sighs> Ah, ah, God. It's okay. It's okay. We love them both. No, 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 no. We love them both. Oh God, I love Beyonce. I love her. She's a heartbeat. But J Lo, J Lo, J Lo made a deal with the devil. That I'm just fascinated. I don't understand how she how she pulls it 
It's, she's, she's everything. Just a, she's everything. I get it. It's like, here's the thing. Listen, I literally say that I'm the love child of Bill Nye and Beyonce. <laughs> and I love Beyonce. And she's the hardest working woman in the room. But in this current moment right now, there is something particularly fascinating about the way J-Lo just like is like, I just feel like in 70 years, she's going to be kind of like a Jane Fonda. Like there's just something yeah. about the way J-Lo is un- like, it's just, uh, this is me. This is where I'm at. Oh God. I'm yeah. going to a lot of shit about this. So. Listen, <laughs> I, I need J-Lo not for some perfume or athletic wear. I need the elixir of whatever is <laughs> she's drinking. Yes. Like please. The, the elixir. Exactly. The elixir. I need the J-Lo elixir. Last one, and you cannot get this one wrong. You cannot get this one wrong. It's the last one. Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson? Magic Johnson. Of course, he's on your board. Hello. Magic Johnson. (laughs) Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson all day. (laughs) I get it. I get it. I love it. Well, Jessica, this has been amazing having you on our podcast. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing and let's let's win together. Let's do it. You've got a group of people here supporting you. So know that we're all in your corner. Awesome. Thank you so much. Wow. Okay, so I think it's clear why I wanted Jessica to be on the show. She's a badass walk star and her company uncharted power is literally transforming the ground beneath us and this smart cost-effective infrastructure for renewable energy access she's driving the future for smart cities so do go check her and the company out but before you go a couple things that she left us with i want to make sure we all capture one know your skill set and build a team with those who can do what you cannot be clear about your goals and how you're going to achieve them and be able to prove your economic value and worth to your investors. And if you're on the investor side, give your founders the room to grow and allow them to show you that they have a solution. Thank you everyone for listening in on VCs Off the Record. Until next time, stay fabulous.